Sometimes you need a reboot. If you have a computer and it's on the fritz, you know the first thing you do, right? You reboot. You turn it off and on again. Let it kind of refresh and figure stuff out. Probably as we start this year in 2024, you need a reboot. I know I do. So much so I'm going to fast in January and starting in February because I got some stuff to deal with and work out and I want to get close to God this year. In fact, it was interesting. Um, sportscaster guy on, on, uh, on the post game, what was it last week or the week before? I don't remember. He said, you know, I called the Lord and told him I'm canceling the trials and tribulations plan that 2024 is going to be a year of abundance. And I thought that was a, that's a funny way to think about that. But yeah, I, I think I, that would be nice. It would be nice to walk in a place where I'm closer to the Lord this year than I was in 2023. So as we think about walking with Jesus, and many of you are trying to figure out what does it look like to take steps toward Jesus or with Jesus? Maybe you've already decided to surrender your life and you're trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like to walk with him? Or maybe you're still checking out Jesus. You're, you're kicking the tires to find out, is this really real or is it just, just a good idea that all these nice people have and that bless their hearts? Either way, there is a way to walk like Jesus that we want to talk about. And that's what this little mini-series is about. It's a reboot based on this little verse in Psalm 90, which says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We want to be a people who are willing to reflect on what's happening in our life and learn and grow. I don't want to be the same guy I was in 2023. I want to be a better version of Andrew. And I don't want to be you. And I don't want you to have to feel like you got to look like me. I want to be the best version of me. And in order to do that, I've got to spend these pauses, these times to reflect. Lord, what is it that you're showing me? Search me, O oh God, and know me. Try my anxious thoughts. See if there's any, any sinful or way that is just not in alignment with you and lead me in your way, the everlasting way. That's my paraphrase of how David would say it in the Psalms. I saw this quote, and I wanted to include it this morning. So much of our unhappiness comes from comparing our lives, our friendships, our loves, our commitments, our duties, our bodies, and our sexuality to some idealized and non-Christian vision of things which falsely assures us that there is a heaven on earth. It could be really great here without Jesus kind of thing. When that happens, and it does, our tensions begin to drive us mad, in this case, to a cancerous restlessness. Whew, these are big words, but they resonate with me. True restfulness, though, is a form of awareness, a way of being in life. It is living ordinary life with a sense of ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer. We are restful when ordinary life is enough. Some of you are like, but I don't want to be ordinary. I don't want to be ordinary. I want to be extraordinary. I want to do great things for God. You can do that. With his power, with his ability, with you surrendering to God, he'll fill you up. You will have more power than you ever would ever have. It's not even in the same league. This is not about working harder. This is about surrendering more. 
a sense of ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer. If I said we, can ma- we could wave a, a, a magic wand over your children or over your spouse or over your roommate or over your aging parents or whoever, and they would live with a sense of ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer, who would sign up for that? Like everybody, right? Some of you are like, I don't know. I'm supposed to raise my hand in church. I don't know if I can do that. So the people are like this. And I'm like, trying to, it's okay. No one's going to embarrass you. A sense of ease. So how can we do this? What kind of pace did Jesus live his life with? Because when I read the Gospels, I go, Jesus had a lot going on. He had a lot of responsibility. In fact, you could argue that he was the most popular guy in all of Israel. And thousands of people wanted a piece of him. And he had all kinds of pressure. He had to figure out and how to regulate healthy boundaries. He had to figure out how to exercise that word no. You guys know that word, right? No, no. You can practice it with me. No, no, I love you, but no, I can't do that for you. If you put the I love you in front of it, no feels a lot better. I'm serious. That was actually a really good idea right there that I just gave you, right? Because it is, well, now, if it's not true, don't say it. But I love you. I'm sorry I can't do that. We're not very good at that if we're really honest. Either that or all you do is say no and we need to help you get your eyes on someone else. But I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But your life probably looks more like this. That the pace doesn't look like ease and gratitude and thanksgiving. It looks like, ah, Something else is going to drop and someone else is going to get mad at me and then I'll be my worst critic and I'll feel bad and I won't be able to sleep at night. I'll feel like I'm, I'm failing. Last week we talked about this little word, Selah. Take a pause to reflect. This week we're going to take Selah and go bigger. This week we're going to talk about another S word, Sabbath. Sabbath. This is technically taking one day away from work as an ordinary act of resistance. We have postures of resistance where we resist the things that the world is saying that we should embrace, and we have other postures where we embrace what God wants us to do. This is both. We resist that cultural norm that says if you're busy, you're important. If you're busy, somehow everyone will will look up to you and, and, and you'll have a lot more influence as a leader. Speed and having your hair on fire running around trying to do everything for everyone doesn't reflect trust in God and we don't find true fulfillment in it. We don't find ease and gratitude and those other things that I mentioned. It's a mirage. This pace that the world has is a mirage. So how do we slow down? How do we get a sense of slowing in all of our life so that we can actually walk into these beautiful things that God has for us? I think it connects to the idea of Sabbath. So let's rediscover this today. And it's our topic This is taking a 24-hour period off from work. So where do I find this in the Bible? Glad you asked. Let's just look at the word, shall we? Old Testament, Exodus 20. Remember, 
the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. So let's just look at this for a second before we look at the next couple of verses. So remember, he says, why do we need to remember? Because we forget. I did a very similar message to this two years ago. Why am I doing it again? Because we forget, because I forget. We got to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It's set apart. It's, it's set apart for a special use, right? So, I mean, you, you probably have certain things in your house that are set apart. You wouldn't use the spoon that you stir your chili with to go out and, and do gardening, right? You just wouldn't. It's set apart for kitchen use. And this day is set apart. It's set apart, and it's the seventh day. It's, you work for six days, and you take one whole day off. And very simply, you do not do any work. It's pretty simple. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God did not need a rest because he was tired. Let's just be very clear. He chose to rest. So let's take a look at this for a second because I think it's very germane to our conversation. Genesis 2, this is the first book of the Bible for those of you who are still kicking the tires on faith, trying to understand things. It explains how the world came to be and how God created the world. And it says in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and earth were completed in their, all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. It was set apart. It was special. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God creates humans on day six. And the very first day of our life was a Sabbath rest with God. I think that's really significant. The first thing you do, rest. Now, there are, of course, other ancient religions and it, uh, writings about many other gods, if you will, who were, by the way, not creating the world. But their stories usually center on a specific place, a temple for that god to reside in. So when each god's temple was built, two things would happen. First, a statue or some kind of image would be placed in the middle of the temple as a visible representation of this God. Second, the God would be invited to take up residence in that temple, bringing its presence there, accompanied by a grand opening type of event. It's an inaugural celebration where the people would stop working and celebrate. All right? So... That is what we see in all these other, with all these other false gods. By the way, just a little quick note. I believe these are other Elohim. These are other spirit beings that are wanting to be empowered. And so as much as we say, why were they, why were they worshiping statues? Because stuff happened when they did it. And not for good, but for ill. And they got power and control from it, right? So if that's a new concept to you, 
we'll just keep talking about it. We'll help you understand that there, our battle's not against flesh and blood. There is a whole spiritual battle going on for your mind, for your life, for your children at all times, and we need to be aware. So we have this kind of, well, let's, let's call it a um, kind of a, a sequence of events, how the false gods do it. Well, it's all just a ripoff of the real thing. What do you mean, Andrew? Well, I have notes here because I sometimes can't remember some of this stuff. Um, God has a temple, but it's not a building. It's the whole earth. And instead of a statue, he creates man and woman. Created images of himself wrapped in skin and put in the garden. Whew. So Adam and Eve are image bearers placed on the earth as physical representations of the God who creates all things. You reflect who he is to the world. And then the inaugural party is called Sabbath, where you stop working and you invite the presence of God to fill the earth. Pretty cool, huh? So Adam is created. His first memory is Sabbath. Sabbath for Adam is pure delight. In fact, that's one of the translations of the word Sabbath, delight. So God's perspective was to work, then rest. Our perspective is actually to rest, then work. Like, wait a second. I'm never going to get my 22-year-old to, like, move out of my basement if this is, like, the way it is. And don't overthink it. Don't get weird. Don't make it weird. Some of you are making it weird. Don't make it weird. God wants us to learn rest so that we take it in all the rest of our work. It doesn't mean that we don't have good work ethic or exert ourselves and bless others and we live to give our lives away. And instead of considering ourselves you know, more highly than we ought, we, we give our life away. That's what we do. We, we imitate Jesus, who is a servant of all. So, this is the perspective. And if we're looking at Jesus' rhythms, if we're looking at how he did things, he rested one out of seven days. Did Jesus have a lot to do? Probably more than I'll ever do in my whole life. But he wasn't like, I don't know, stuff's not going to get done if I don't like. No, he was going to trust his father and he was going to rest. But he also redefined what Sabbath was because it had become a burden. It had become something, uh, a list of better nots instead of you get tos, right? And Je uh, Jeff Bethke says this, too many of us are trying to be like God when we are Adam. Only when, when we truly know rest and celebration can we know how to work and enjoy it. We work from rest, not to get it. I can imagine Jesus spending time with his guys playing games, enjoying one another, and just fully getting charged up, spending time in prayer together, in silence and solitude, eating food, enjoying a sunset, all the things that are beautiful and good about this life. And you wouldn't say Jesus is a slacker. And yet he also ruffled a lot of feathers in his approach to Sabbath. I mean, he was not, they weren't going to vote him as like the most popular pastor in Israel at that point. 
Because he wasn't saying what everybody else was saying. He healed on the Sabbath. His disciples were grabbing some stuff out of the fields and chowing it down, and that was working because they were taking some things out of the fields. But to him, Sabbath wasn't work. It was God's delight to bring us into his peace, his shalom peace. So what does Jesus say about keeping the Sabbath? Because you might say, well, you know, that's just for the Old Testament. No, Sabbath was never taken away as a something that doesn't apply to us now. In fact, take a look at this passage from the New Testament. It says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So there is this invitation into rest, and it's broader than just one day of the week. We know that from Hebrews 4 here. But Jesus says this, Mark 2, verses 27 through 28. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is, is Lord even of the Sabbath. So he's the Lord of the Sabbath, meaning he's the boss of the Sabbath, and he gets to redefine it. He gets to show us what does this look like. The Pharisees were making Sabbath a burden. You can't do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And, and, and it was like, Ugh! So people were trying to find loopholes. And all through the New Testament, we see people trying to find loopholes around the religious laws. But we're invited into relationship with our God. And he gives us a light yoke with freedom. And so this idea of enjoying Sabbath was very foreign to the first century believers. And they had to relearn what this looks like. Now, our culture isn't legalistic about Sabbath at all. In fact, most people would tell you, you don't need Sabbath. You don't need that. That's just like an Old Testament thing. No, you got to work, work, work. Got to work, 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 right? <laughs> if I'm thinking it, you're thinking it. So let's just, just get it out there, get it done with. We can just move on. We need to heed the first part of this verse. The Sabbath is a great gift to us. It was made for us. And so, A.J. Swoboda says this, uh, the Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms and the, of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result... Our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just don't know how to sit with God anymore. We've become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. Ouch. But he's right. And if you're honest with yourself, you know that stopping to reflect and stopping to rest with God is something that generally we don't do well as a culture, as a church. And so we fight the six-day work week, the Sabbath one-day rhythm. We go against the grain of the universe. And someone once said, someone smarter than me said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. And the last time society tried 
to abandon the seven-day work week was during the French Revolution. Let me remind you what happened. They actually switched to a 10-day work week. It's crazy, right? These days they're talking about like a four-day work week, right? In America, they're like, can we work less, please? 10-day work week. What happens? We're going to have higher productivity. Nope. The economy crashed, the suicide rate skyrocketed, and productivity plummeted. So 50 hours, by the way, is basically a 60, uh, as a six, let me say this again. A six-day work week is basically 50 hours. Now, studies will tell you that once you eclipse 50 hours, even all, all up to 70 hours, you will not produce more than you did in 50 hours. Basically, once you get to 50, please stop working. All you're doing is wasting everybody's time. Okay, so for those, those of you who are like, but I can, nope. You better be more efficient with what you've got. So Sabbath means to stop and delight. Stop and delight. Cease from your work and delight in all these good things that God has given you. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? Like, but do I have to read a big stack of books that are really boring? No. If Sabbath is boring to you, you're doing it wrong. And that's why we're having this message this morning. I want you to enjoy this concept and step into it. So if you're new to this concept, you might be thinking, what in the world would I do with 24 hours that would be delightful? Because my life is really not that exciting. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But there was a survey by a doctor who looked at all of these octogenarians, right? People in their 80s. And they said, hey, who are the happiest people on earth? Like, what, what's, what, I don't know how exactly they, they had some kind of research tool. And they found this, this group of Seventh-day Adventists. And, you know, if you know Adventism, they're just literally religious about the, you know, the Sabbath. But the doctor noted as they wrote down all the scores that on average, all these people lived about 10 years longer than the average American. If you do the math, guess what? If you do Sabbath every seven days, what it adds up to in your lifetime? 10 years. Pretty interesting, right? Now, for the Jewish people, Sabbath was Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. There is nothing wrong with celebrating that Sabbath if you'd like to. You have freedom in Jesus. And it's really beautiful. I've celebrated Shabbat, as they would call it, with some of my friends. And you sing the song and you have the bread and you just thank the Lord for what he's done. And, and you just really enjoy that day. So in the Jewish world, that is Shabbat. Now the early church basically moved their Sabbath, if you will, from Saturday to Sunday. In Acts 20, they, you find that they're meeting on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday. Um, and, and even Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 16. Because Jesus rose from the dead on, on the first day of the week, usually rest and worship on Sundays then end up becoming the norm for the church. The truth is, you don't have to pick a day to be right, but it would be good for you to pick a day. A floating Sabbath doesn't work. Well, you know, every once in a while I'll get around to a Sabbath. No, you need to have some rhythm. Why? Because the Lord really wants to fill you up as you rest so that then you'll be ready for that, those next six days. So whatever day you choose, I think it's critical for us to practice Sabbath. 
The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight, Allender says. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate. It's the day we remember. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, watch creation in all its fullness. And few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is just more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. And maybe some of you are like, I don't know who those people are. I love having a day off. It's great. But it's true. So the question would be, what day is your Sabbath? Is Sunday your Sabbath? So a little, just a little straw poll here. We don't have our little phones out, but um, how many people would say Sunday is my Sabbath? I try to rest. This is the time when I just try to, okay. All right, put your hands down. Great. Uh, How many people would say Saturday is my day? Man, that is the rest day. Yeah, some of us, especially those of us in ministry, like uh, pick a different day than Sunday because there's a whole lot of work in that happens, but it's my delight to work, do that work, but I need to be filled up to do it, right? I choose so anybody else choose a different day than Saturday or Sunday? Okay, yeah, Don and myself. And so I pick Friday. Amy, are you a Friday Sabbather? Yep. So why Friday? Well, because Friday is the, is the time when my work week has ended and I could get a breath before all the things of the weekend happens. Now, what happens sometimes on a Friday? You do a funeral, right? Why? Because these are people that I love and I want to serve them and bless them. And so you wait a second, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're going to fall into some hole and die. No. I'm going to take Monday. By the way, if you've never taken Sabbath, you get a chance tomorrow. Oh, look at how that worked out. Where most of you get the day off because it's a federal holiday, right? Sometimes God's going to have you move your Sabbath just a little bit. Why? Because you're going to serve and love someone else. And it's my joy to do that, right? Does that mean that, you know, like if I go over to somebody's house and they fix dinner, we're having a meal together? By the way, one of the best things about Sabbath is eating. For sure. You got the time to like make whatever, you know, all the things, right? So in the midst of it, sometimes that means you got to clean up afterwards. Is that working? No, that's, that's fun. Washing dishes with somebody you like. By the way, married couples, that would be a good idea for you. You should like wash dishes together. No, we divide our, our responsibilities and... Got to do more stuff together. That conversation for a different day. I digress. So in the midst of Sabbath, sometimes serving is a beautiful thing. Right? There was a pastor in the city that was dying a few years ago of cancer. And um, I got a call and I said, hey, on Friday, we're going to, we've got a, they had a leak. And uh, this guy's wife, she's going through all this stuff and he's on hospice. Can you come and help move furniture? A hundred percent I'm going to move furniture. That's going to be the best Sabbath ever. Why? Because it's my joy to serve someone who is in real need. Right? However, household chores for me, is that a Sabbath thing? No. If I can, unless something's breaking or falling apart, like just, can we just wait till tomorrow? Not like three weeks from now, but like, can it wait till tomorrow? So, Andrew, what do you do on your Sabbath? Hey, glad you asked. Let me tell you. Um, sleeping in, if I can, because sleeping in, does anyone else like sleeping in? Come on. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you could do is take a nap. 
You get permission to rest. Why? Because Sabbath is rest. Stop and delight. So good. Now, sometimes that's take me to school on Fridays. All right, well, then I don't get to sleep in, but I'd like to. Brewing and drinking coffee. Mm, close to God's heart, close to mine, right? <laughs> Just the act of grinding the beans and doing the French press. So good. It's kind of funny, but what I'm trying to show you is Sabbath delight is found in the details, not in the concept, right? Spending time with my wife, walking, exercising, working with my hands. One quote that I saw, a man who works with his mind should Sabbath with his hands, and a man who works with his hands should Sabbath with his mind. It's a good word right there. Reading, big part of Sabbath for me. What about a massage or a float spa or sitting by the fire or on the back patio, not having anything scheduled. This is the biggest thing. If you said you can get one thing on your Sabbath, not having anything scheduled. Why? Because I'm the kind of person that if I've got something, say, at 11 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, it's like 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, okay, five more hours, four more hours, three more hours, and I'm not resting. I'm just thinking about what's next, right? That's just being a human, by the way. That's, there's nothing wrong with me. That's not true. There's a lot wrong with me. I'm, I'm working on some things. Hiking, golf, cuddling your dog, watching the Bible Project videos. Oh, my favorite thing to, like, nourish my soul is the Bible Project videos. T- visiting my parents. For some of you, are like, that's not a Sabbath for me. All right, then don't visit your parents. But for me, it's a beautiful thing. Hi, Mom and Dad. Um, attend a play or a concert. That's so fulfilling, especially for those of us who love the arts. Oh, especially if I get to watch someone I love doing that. Oh, so good. Just celebrate them. Doing word puzzles. Eating meals with friends. The best. What do I not do? Keep my phone near me. Right? Because my phone's going to pull me back into the world that I'm trying to escape. Put it in the other room. Put it on the charger. If somebody really needs you, they will find you. I don't know, but they're really going to... It's okay. Um, yeah, I don't do household chores. I try not to. I spend time bringing... I want to spend time that brings me close to God. So whatever that thing is, that's what I do. You can overthink Sabbath all day long. But if Sunday's your Sabbath, let's just talk about church for a minute, shall we? Because I am the pastor, and I think that's what pastors do. They talk about church, right? So when does Sunday worship start? It's not when you think it does. It starts on Saturday night. Because what I choose on Saturday night will affect how I worship on Sunday mornings. It just will. If I stay late up, up late into the night watching some movie that just is making me think about the world and all of its stuff, I end up dreaming about that all night because I know myself, right? And then I get up in the morning and I feel like I need to like scrub myself off with a wire brush or something like that. And I'm limping into church feeling like, I don't even think I belong here right now because I need to scrub off. And there's this sense of just... Do you know what I mean? So there's this preparation that our hearts need. That we say, you know what? Maybe I'm going to get to bed actually at a decent hour on Saturday night. Wait, you're taking away my Saturday night? I'm not doing anything. I'm just suggesting if you want to really get the most out of our time together as a church family, Saturday night's when worship starts. 
Just setting your, your eyes and your, and your mind on things above. It starts on Saturday night. Then on Sunday morning. Now, some of, if you're like us growing up, mom and dad like trying to get us in the car, trying to get us to church, and he's like, I don't want to sit on this side of the car. You touched me. You know, and there's, my sister and I are fighting in the backyard, back, back seat, and then all of a sudden come in the door. We're good. Oh, we're just, thank, praise the Lord. And I know some, trust me, your biggest battle is going to be getting here on Sunday mornings. I mean, the Lord will make sure every light is red. Actually, not the Lord. The enemy will make sure all the lights are red and that you will be tested. And maybe the Lord will test you. I don't know. But so would it behoove you to maybe start a little earlier on Sunday mornings? Just a friendly, gentle reminder from your neighborhood pastor. Um, some of y'all need to get out of the house a little bit earlier than you do and get here earlier. What's really cool is there's all kinds of great relationship happening before the service, and some of you are missing that. And you long for that, and we want you to be connected. So we want you to come early. And Jeff's got great coffee, by the way. It's amazing. You do a great job, Jeff. Proud of you. So there's relationship to be had before the service. But really, like when I walk through those doors, although I'm friendly, and you know I am, because I'm just, I just get so excited to see some of you. And like, I've just been waiting to see you all week or I haven't seen you in a while. And I'm like, oh, you finally brought your baby. I got to see him in person. This is so fun for me. But I also try to temper that to a certain degree. When I get down on my seat, I just really want to focus on the Lord and I really want to worship. And I want to invite you into that space as well. It's a little Jekyll and Hyde, right? Like, come, be super relational. Now turn that off and like, be really worshipful and do all these things. You can do it, I promise, if you prepare yourself beforehand. Because I believe that, I know that sometimes Amy's up here doing announcements and people are yelling back and forth at each other. I'm like, what's going on here? It's like a football game or something like that? And by the way, um, some people come to a church late because they really like the message, but they don't like worship. And um, I'm here to tell you, the worship is just as important, the musical worship, as the word right? So probably you're, you gravitate one way or another. That's okay. It's okay. We love you. Love you just the way you are, right? Some people are like, you know what? I'm going to cut out after the worship's done because I don't want to hear that dude talk. Bless your hearts, right? So I want to challenge you. Whatever end you feel like you're more drawn, like if you're more drawn to the word, great. But then I want you to really push in to learn how to express yourself in worship. If you're a real worshiper and you know who you are and you're like, the message sometimes just doesn't do it for me. Can you just hang in with me and I'll try not to be boring and, and I'm very excited about God's word. So I promise I'll bring excitement every week and I promise that I'll study like crazy and I promise that I pray like crazy so I know that the Lord is gonna say something to you if you just are present, right? The word and worship. All right, so that's important. So in your Sabbath, uh, if, if Sunday's your Sabbath day, now you're like, but... Saturday's my Sabbath day. I'm still going to come 15 minutes late and, you know, yell over the top of things. Don't do that. Don't mess it up with all the rest of us. Plus, I want you to have a good experience. So, um, all right, let's land this plane. Let me just go ahead here. Um, there's some people that are like, oh, this is not for today. This is a Jewish thing. I don't think that's true. I can't afford not to work for uh, one day a week. Trust 
Jesus to carry you. This is what offering and giving is all about, by the way. That as we give, we're like, all right, Lord, this is a lot of money right here. I'm going to give this to you. And whoo, not sure exactly how things are going to go, but I'm going to be obedient. And then the Lord says, watch what I'll do. Watch. You will be amazed. Do you want to see miracles? Start giving. It's a good commercial for offering. Um, I'm a mom. I can't ever rest. I'm trying to raise tiny humans, right? So this is difficult. But maybe you don't start with a day. Maybe you start with an hour. And maybe that means you get the kids to bed earlier than they want to. And of course, they want to stay up late. But you just say, you know what, this is important. And you carve out, you start with an hour. And you start to build on that. I don't know, I'm not a mom, but I have compassion for you. This is legalistic and pharisaical. No, it's not. Jesus did it. He wasn't, illegal. He wasn't a Pharisee or legalistic. I can't do something wonderful. I'm a victim. And this is the one that's like, what? Why is this in your list? Because some of you, it's too much to bear. Like that quote earlier, it's too much to bear this much delight. Because you've got to maintain your victim mentality. Because things have been so hard, you have actually created your identity around your circumstances where things are hard. And this is what you talk about, and you post about, and you email about, and you, you, talk, and you get prayer for, and oh, goodness, what would happen if these things actually weren't part of your life? You wouldn't even know who you are. We want to get you free. Because some of you are in that space. And you don't even realize you're in that space. But Sabbath reveals some of that. Why? Because when you're quiet before God, he begins to show you things. But I don't know. I don't ever hear God's voice. Oh, you do. You just don't realize it's his voice. It's okay. You don't have to label it as his. You can still get the fruit from receiving it. I know that sounds a little intense but I think it's really necessary. All right, Sabbath sounds boring. Well, come and talk to me. I'll give you 18 ideas in three minutes, and then we'll see where we go from there. You don't have to come to me, though. Just ask somebody who, know, you know, who does this. What do you do for Sabbath? I'm going to miss my digital world too much. No, no, you won't. Your computer game will still be there. Facebook will still be there. The world will still be spinning you are not going to miss something incredible. When, um, when Moses declares the law a second time in Deuteronomy, um, he, he says, observe. He changes the commandment from remember to observe the Sabbath. What do we observe? We observe holidays, which are holy days, right? Two years ago, I like, thought this was really funny. The, the Cincinnati Bengals were going to the Super Bowl and they declared a holiday for all their schools the day after in anticipation of winning the Super Bowl and then they lost. How painful is that, right? Like maybe you should wait till after you win to like just declare the holiday for schools. But this idea of observing a holiday, like some people think Super Bowl Sunday should be a holiday, right? It is a fun time of community to be together. Um, so observing Sabbath is like a holiday every week without family drama. Let that sink in for a second. You're just coming off the holidays. You should know what family drama looks like. So observing Sabbath is like someone asking, do we have to celebrate Christmas this year? Do people have to give me gifts for my birthday? Do we have to go to Disneyland? Do we have to eat Fifth Street Steakhouse? No, you don't have to do any of those things. But if you're like me, you want to do those things. Why wouldn't you do those things? Just because something is spiritual doesn't mean it's boring, 
And the Jewish people were commanded to party and feast for about 30 days every year, if you do the math. Then you add Sabbaths, that's 70 more, that's like, that's about 70 days total out of 365. You're commanded, party hard. This is the God of the party that we serve. Do you get this? Some of you are like, no, God's like, he's really serious and mad and disappointed and he's got his arms crossed and got a big long beard. No, none of that stuff's true. And he just wants me to like not have any fun because I've seen all those rules in the Bible. That's not the God that I serve. And, you know, stick around here. We'll help you see who God really is because we read the Bible and we, we see who he is from there. But this is a God who loves us so much to say, you know what? Just stop and delight. And then what you receive on that day, you carry into the rest of the week. Guess what it does to the rest of your week? It slows you down. You're not in as, in as much of a hurry the rest of the week. When I Sabbath, I have so much more peace the rest of the week. And when I don't, you all know it. So, yeah, you really know it. So, a few years ago, I went to uh, an Assyrian wedding. I officiated this Assyrian wedding. And um, I had not been to an Assyrian wedding before. I didn't know that there's a certain dance that you do. And it's a circle dance. And um, so they're dancing, and I'm like on the wall going, I don't know how to do this. And of course, they like drug me out, and I'm, you know, I'm circle dancing, doing the thing, and I just feel like I'm, I'm making the biggest fool out of myself right now. So we're circle dancing, and everyone's sweating, and people are dressed in just, guys, this was a beautiful wedding. I mean, just the, the women's dresses just were like, this is an art. This is amazing, so beautiful and so fun and so joyful. At the end, I didn't think to myself, you know, I really wish I would have just stood on the wall looking at Facebook while that happened. No one says that. I mean, like, did I feel silly? Yeah. Did I look silly? A hundred percent. But the joy that was, that came into my heart and as well as the people that were watching me was totally worth getting off the wall, putting my phone down and engaging. And, and I think that this is the kind of thing that Sabbath is. It's an invitation to dance and have joy. So I think I've probably tried to talk you into this long enough. If you want to stand with me, I want to just pray and bless, bless you uh, this morning. And um, prayer folks, if you'd come down front, that would be great. If you want or need prayer, we would love for you to uh, receive some prayer this morning for anything that's on your heart and on your, on your mind. So, I want to challenge you. You've got an opportunity to rest this week. Will you take it? Will you seize the moment? Will you seize the day? Carpe diem. Seize the Sabbath day. Lord, thank you that you are the Lord of the harvest, that you are the Lord of the harvest, but you're also the Lord of the Sabbath, and that you call us to work out of rest. And you want to slow us down, and you want us to actually experience your light yoke and your pace, which is totally doable and enjoyable. And so teach us, teach us how to, how to rest. Even in this, this season of fasting, I pray, Lord, that you would just come really close to us. Teach us the value of Sabbath. So thank you for each person here. Pray a blessing on them, whether they're here or on the stream. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Thanks for coming, y'all. We'll see you next week.